0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash ectoplasm. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Thanks a lot, Audible. Time to make it a rule. Never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline than a rule. And I know what I saw, and that's not what you're telling me what I saw. I- What's up, everybody? This is Josh. Welcome to the Ectoplasm Show. Big episode number 34. Right here. Coming at you. Alright? Uh, and also, if you want to uh, if you wanna reach out to us, ectoplasm at gmail.com, also at ectoplasm show on Twitter, and ectoplasm show on Facebook as well. So give us a uh, give us a look, give us a like, which, by the way, I want to say a special thank you. I don't know what the hell just happened, but over the last uh well, over the last week um we've gained we've gained some new people on the Facebook page. So thank you and welcome um to all the new people. That it's friggin' awesome that you're out there listening, hopefully, listening <laughs> whatever. And also I want to say a uh, special thank you to all the people that have been pre-ordering the book. Uh, it helps a lot. And uh, the book, hopefully, my God, it's been a freaking nightmare. Honestly, it has been a nightmare. And I didn't realize that this is a this is the busy season for, uh, for new authors or for authors, I should say. And my printing company, obviously, is the same printing company as a lot of the other people that write books. Um, and so, you know, mine kind of gets put in line behind them. Um, obviously, you know, the, the people that are coming out with new books that are you know, the, the best selling authors, they obviously take precedent over little old me. So anyway, but thank you. Um, the book is, um, in the process of printing and all that fun stuff. So hopefully sooner than later we can have it here and then I ship it out to you and all that fun jazz so anyway a special thank you to those people that have already been uh that have already been pre-ordering the book um and the book mind you is also it's entitled ghosts and the bible so we're kind of taking a a different approach to uh, the paranormal here but regardless um I want to I want to talk to you about some stuff and uh This, this really caught, this caught my eye just because, well, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get through the story or whatever. There's a a UFO researcher, okay? He's in Russia, specifically central Russia, and he, he has found what he believes to be a UFO. Now, the UFO is in, uh, in Antarctica. Now, what he was doing was he was sitting on his butt and he was, um, on Google Earth, Okay? He was using Google Earth uh, on his computer or whatever. Um, his name is Valentin, and I can't even pronounce his last name, Degterev. Valentin Degterev from central Russia. So he made the discovery while he was browsing satellite photographs of Antarctica, uh, specifically the Antarctic wastes. You know, it's more like a, like a big desert is what it looks like, uh, only it's ice and not sand. But like I said, he was using uh, Google Earth while he did this. Now, the image itself, which, I mean, it shows what looks like a dark saucer-shaped object. And it looks like this object is embedded into the ice. So this has since, you know, pretty much gone viral on, like, social media. And uh, he posted it online and... Uh, You know, with the coordinates and everything like that. But the object itself appears to be uh, at least 204, 205 feet across. He says, I found the unique object using the online service of Google Earth in Antarctica. In amongst the endless ice desert, it is the most genuine UFO in its most classic shape. Which, I'll give him that, it does look like a saucer shape and all that jazz, whatever. Now, critics have argued because the alleged UFO could simply just be an optical illusion and that the black shape might actually just be a, a deep crev- crevice, crevasse, in the, in the ice. And it, it does look like it could possibly, like the object itself, it does look like it could be sticking out. But if you look at it, it does appear that it could be just a crevice in the ice. Okay, so it's how you are interpreting the photo itself. Now, he is quoted as saying, I do not presume to know exactly what it is. It is definitely not a polar station nor a plane. Okay. He says... Um, I don't know. He says, you know, there aren't any airplanes or helicopters that are that big, you know, in the world that we know about. But he is claiming, you know, not to know exactly what it is. However, he is a UFO researcher. Okay. So he sees something like that in the ice and his mind is obviously just immediately going to go to, oh, that's a UFO. To me, personally, it looks like it is a crevasse. Not something sticking out. It looks like it's something that has sunk in. You know what I mean? Um, it does not... I mean, yeah, it's weird. It looks like uh, like a saucer shape. But at the same time, you got to think of wind and, and all of that stuff. I mean, it's it could be anything. I personally don't buy that it's a UFO. But whatever. Whatever. So, speaking of... Of UFOs. Um, there's another story that caught my attention. And... is this... <laughs> this tourist... Um, uh, his name is Alan Betts. Him and his family, uh, they're on you know, vacation or whatever. They're visiting Loch Ness, of all places. You know, um, in Scotland. And I mean, obviously, you know, Loch Ness... It has seen its fair share of of mysteries. And it's been shrouded in mystery for decades now. So anyway, Alan Betts and his family are there. They're taking photographs and whatnot. Now, um, it says him and his wife Anna and her parents were actually present. Now, they were just shooting photographs, doing whatever. And then upon looking back over some of the photographs they'd taken during a visit to the lock they discovered two strange disc-shaped objects hovering above the water in one of the pictures now what's weird about it is none of them had observed anything unusual that you know at the time that the photograph was actually taken which is weird because Seeing what you see in the photograph, which, by the way, these photographs and all that jazz, I'm going to be posting them on the Facebook page so you can find them right there. Um, And, you know, hopefully we can get into a a little discussion about these. Um, He says, I cannot offer any logical explanation. I am probably one of the most skeptical people you could find about uh, things like this, but I just can't explain what it is. Um, He goes, I know what it looks like, though. Uh, We showed the pictures to Anna's parents who were as shocked as us. And her dad is probably more skeptical than I am. So that's something right there that I mean. But anybody can say, oh, I'm a skeptic. Anybody could say that, you know, that's one thing. But, you know, actively trying to dismiss something. I will say this when you look at the photograph. Um it's obviously taken from inside of a car. Uh because the weather was shitty apparently it was raining or whatever. Um and you can tell you can see um uh, that it is raining. Um so these two crafts that they you know that they shot are basically um I don't know. It could be water droplets since it is raining and it's, you know, there's a lot of room for error just from the camera to the, uh, you know, to the glass of the car itself. You see the window, you know, there's a lot of room for error just right there. I mean, it looks interesting. It really does. The thing is though, the two saucers look absolutely identical. Identical um and once you look at the picture or whatever you will you will see it um and like I said I'm going to put that up on the uh on the Facebook page so you can uh you can check those out and like I said let's have a discussion you know now speaking of having a discussion and all that fun jazz um <laughs> last week this came to my attention And if you're listening to this program right now, you know, I post these shows on Fridays. So if you're listening to this right now and we're still alive, then I think we're okay. I think we're in the clear. So it's weird, though, because it says there's this asteroid or actually two asteroids uh, passing Earth on Friday. um, That's supposedly on on a collision course with Earth. Now, they always do this. They always say this doom and gloom horse shit to freak us out. And I don't know why we have to be so damn scared all the time about every little thing. But it pisses me off so much. But whatever. So anyway, from the Huffington Post, okay, they say, No, the asteroid passing Earth on Friday is not... On a near collision course. No, it says on Friday an asteroid traveling at 23,000 miles per hour will pass by Earth at a distance of 0.03 astronomical units or AU. Now, it sounds close. You say point zero three astronomical units. That sounds pretty close. But it's really not. <laughs> so... It says, despite the breathless hyperbole from some, uh, about the asteroid skimming past Earth on a near-collision course, 0.03 AU is actually the equivalent of (laughs) the better part of 3 million miles. Okay, that is 11.7 times greater than the distance from the Earth to the moon. Okay. So, that's a long-ass way. I know it takes us at least two to three days just to get to the moon. Uh, and that's in a rocket. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's a that's a big distance right there. So, it's 11.7 times greater than that distance from our Earth to the moon. I mean, uh, weird. So, it says the space rock, known formally as... 2014 YB35 will be close enough for astronomers to get a good look, but basically invisible to everybody else. So, yeah, the astronomers and whatnot, they're probably going to want to get a look at it. Um, you know, it says there have been closer calls, much closer calls in the past. Uh, back in January of uh, 2004, there was an asteroid that cruised past Earth at. Uh, a distance of about 745,000 miles. Which is close enough for scientists at NASA's deep space network. You know, they could get very vivid images of the rock. Uh, which they you know, discovered is orbited even by its own small moon. So that's weird in itself. It's got its own moon. That there's this asteroid out there zipping around with its own moon. It's kind of crazy. So anyway... That, um, for the most part, is is the news. So, like I said, if you are if you're listening to this podcast and it's Friday, I think we're probably in the clear. I think we're okay. Like I said, though, you know, there's always this doom and gloom bullshit. Um, and apparently, in September, we're supposed to have another close call. Well, apparently, in September, it's supposed to like hit the Earth. And it's supposed to be, you know, whatever. It's supposed to be terrible and apocalyptic and all of that fun shit. But I just can't get on board with it anymore. I just can't. I remember, and I, whatever, I hate bringing up this subject. I really do. Because it's, whatever. Anyway, I remember back in, you know, when September 11th happened... I remember immediately following September 11th. People were freaked. And I mean freaked. Um, You know, there's going to be another terrorist attack. Everybody's on high alert. And, you know, there was just a lot of tension. And I mean, you could feel the tension. And I'm sure most of you remember. Um, But do you remember then? I mean, it wasn't 48 hours after the fact. That they were saying, "Oh my God! Now gas prices are going to be five, six dollars a gallon uh, starting tomorrow morning." You know, um, and literally there were people lined up for miles to get gas. They were literally lined up in their cars for miles to get gas. You this was in a fairly populated. You can call it a quote unquote city. It's really not a city. They think it is, but it's not. Uh, Here in Iowa, though. um, But it was absolute. It was hysteria. It was absolute hysteria. Now, I did not go and get gas. Well, I was at work, you know, but I did not go and get gas or anything like that. But I do know zillions of people did. But, oh my gosh. It's since that date. Since that date, we have been in in this conscious, I, we're in this big state of fear. That's what it is. We're in this state of constant fear. And if it's not, you know, planes crashing into buildings or something horrific like that, then it's like fucking Ebola that's scaring us. And if it's not that, it's, it's uh, you know, swine flu. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to me. So it makes me wonder. Now, this could be like hardcore conspiracy type tinfoil hat wearing some bitch or whatever type talk. But it makes me wonder that when things like this are brought to our attention in the, in the major media, things like this... Are, you know, that's all they're reporting on. What's going on behind the curtain? Like, what is it that they're drawing our attention away from? Does that make any sense? Like, or do I sound like a complete jackass right now? I'm sure I do sound like a jackass anyway. But you know what I mean? So, it's it's weird to me. It And it's... It freaks me out a little bit, but at the same time, I can't hop on board with all of this doom and gloom bullshit because we've been listening to it for God knows how long now, 14 years? I mean, come on. I don't give a shit. It's like, God, whatever. Whatever. I mean, people were freaking out about this Ebola shit, but Ebola has been around since the 70s. I don't know why they just, you know, started freaking out about it it is what it is but whatever so if you want to chime in on that uh, on any of those topics hit me up uh, ectoplasmshow at gmail.com at ectoplasmshow on twitter and like I said I'm going to have some pictures and things like that up uh, when I post when I post uh, the link to the show I will post uh, some pictures and and all that fun stuff, and then we can have a nice little chat, a nice little discussion via the interwebs. So that'll be a lot of fun. Now, I'm going to take a quick minute and I'm going to uh, talk about our sponsor. Of course, at the beginning of the show, you guys heard the pre-roll of audible.com, who I am a huge, huge, huge fan of audible.com. If you guys uh, are like me or whatever, if you're in the car, if you're on the you know, workout equipment or anything like that, you know, I personally, I have audiobooks going all the time. I don't have a lot of time to just sit down and read, like traditionally read, so I love to absorb as much as I possibly can via audiobooks. Now, Audible has been a huge, huge supporter then of this show, Now, because of them and their generosity then, they said just for you, only for the listeners of this show, um, they have a special deal. And I've mentioned the deal before, but you get a 30-day free trial of Audible.com service. Now, they could have just stopped there, okay? Okay. But instead, then they said, "Yeah, we're going to give them a 30-day free trial, but we're also going to give them an audiobook of their choice. So, audiobook of your choice for free, 100% free. Um, you go in, you sign up, and that's it. Um, download your book, and that's it. Now, with that, then they, um, you know, you would be helping out the show tremendously. Then, uh, if you went and did that." So, like I said, if only for um, only for the listeners of this podcast, and to go ahead and go and download your free audiobook, just go to audibletrial.com/slash ectoplasm, and then you get to download your free book. audibletrial.com/slash ectoplasm, and there's your free audiobook. It's pretty sweet, and I want to say a special thank you. To Audible for, for allowing us uh, the opportunity to do that. Now, with uh, <laughs> I know that you guys know exactly what I'm talking about when I say you know Jurassic World just came out. Now people, people have been losing their minds over this movie. You know, oh my God, it's the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And I remember like being. God, how old was I? I was like like 11 or 12 or something like that when the original Jurassic Park came out. Now, at that time, I had already read the book from Michael Crichton. I read the book, was freaking out because I'm like, this is amazing. And uh, so, yeah, when Jurassic World came out, obviously, I had to see it. I really had to see it because I'm, you know, whatever. I loved the first movie. The second and third movies, whatever. But, you know, everybody was crapping their pants over Jurassic World. So I'm like, yeah, I got to go see it. I owe it to the inner 12-year-old. I have to go see this. We have to go nerd out for a little bit. So, went and saw it. And I liked it. I liked the movie. It was pretty, pretty good. Um, but there is a guy. (laughs) Um there is a guy out there who says like this is possible like and I know there's a lot of people out there that um, a lot of people out there uh, especially in the the scientific community they're like oh this is wrong and this is wrong and the dinosaurs don't look right because of this and the dinosaurs don't look right because of that and this is wrong and that's wrong and yada 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 but whatever now, this guy is not talking about any of that. He's talking about the principle itself. Okay? He says... He's basically saying that this is the idea of, of you know, making making like a dinosaur is totally possible. Okay? Now, he says, no, there isn't a dinosaur, uh, you know, DNA strand trapped in in a hunk of amber, you know, waiting to be, like, replicated and cloned. But that's not the only way to make a dino. Now, this guy's name is Jack Horner, and he's a paleontologist, worked on Jurassic World, and all of the actual the rest of the Jurassic Park films. And he actually wants to make it happen. So, you know, how did we uh, how do we get to this point? You know where where this uh, Jack Horner guy, one of the, the main inspirations for Michael Crichton's, you know, Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, he was like one of the main inspirations for Alan Grant, the uh, the original protagonist in Jurassic Park. You know, he thinks that we can do this. We can make a live dinosaur, not only like soon, but within like five to ten years. Okay. And what he says is, um, it all started with Jurassic Park. Um, in 1993, uh, which is when the movie came out, uh, he and uh, this other student, uh, they you know, continued to make some amazing discoveries in the field of, of paleontology. You know, and trying to extract DNA from dinosaur bones. Now, they obviously failed, okay, but... DNA basically starts coming apart as soon as the cell does or as soon as the cell dies excuse me and no one has ever found intact dinosaur DNA he doesn't think that it's possible but if you did the thing they did in Jurassic Park you know it doesn't really work the DNA gaps with you know basically what he's saying is there's the DNA gaps and they put frog DNA in there he says then you would basically just have a frog that's it now a 20 years goes by you know and genetic research has if anything just gained more momentum uh you know he has another plan now and it relies on the fact that we have a more effective way to get dinosaur dna um says, we have creatures on this planet that are direct descendants of dinosaurs. You know, birds, for example. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you ask a paleontologist, birds are dinosaurs. Specifically, you know, avian dinosaurs. They might not look like dinosaurs, but birds have feathers just like uh, dinosaurs. Including the the velociraptor. Now, over time, uh, the descendants... You know, snouts turned into beaks, and they they snot, stopped growing tails, and, you know, the wings just further evolved into what we know as, you know, modern bird wings. You know, but birds didn't necessarily lose the genes at the code, you know, for the tails, the arms, of the snouts. Instead, those same traits most likely exist in the genetic code. They're just inactive. While the, you know, the newer genes for wings and tails and feathers and beaks are just... Expressed So here's what Horner thinks That we can suppress These new genes And express then The atavistic throwback Dinosaur genes And his plan is to do this First with a well Researched bird uh, That we're all familiar with A chicken You know giving us uh, Fucking chicken saurus. And that's his word, is a chicken's Uh And he did a, a TED Talks thing on a, a dino chicken, which, if you guys aren't familiar with TED Talks, uh, my buddy Myron is the one that got me onto the TED Talk things, which they're just a, a series of lectures on all sorts of different topics and everything. And they're freaking phenomenal. Uh, and I, I know a few of them are on like Netflix and things like that. Um, <clears throat> so it says, picture it a small, feathered creature. With a tail that helps it balance, the small arms with claws, and a toothy little snout instead of a beak. So it says, remember, real Velociraptors were only the size of a large turkey. That's crazy to think about, you know. Um, Horner, he's talked about like pet dinosaurs for a while. Publishers of his book, How to Build a Dinosaur: Extinction Doesn't Have to Be Forever, came out in two thousand nine. Uh, originally planned to release it around the same time as the new Jurassic Park. Basically, what Horner is saying is he's trying to discover the pathways, the genetic pathways, you know, that turn birds into the modern creatures that we know now. So what he wants to do is just turn back the clock and make the genes that are inactive, active. So, um... As wild as it may sound, you know, Horner's not the only one doing this. A pair of uh, Harvard and Yale students recently announced that they found a way to turn chicken beaks back into dinosaur snouts. Skeptics uh, think that building a dino snout won't be so easy and will involve uh, as yet undiscovered genetics. But the researchers counter that their work shows just how fast the science in this field is developing, which is scary. Like uh it's, it's absolutely it's weird so like the uh, the Harvard Gale team is working on on the beak and in 2014 another group reported uh, that they'd figured out how you know dinosaurs arms fused then into wings. so they said they figured that out. now Horner is actually currently working on the, the tail section and he thinks that with you know the right funding obviously we can reverse engineer and then grow a dinosaur five to ten years he's hoping that he'll be able to grow a dinosaur if researchers like reverse engineer a bird then they would obviously they would have some sort of dinosaur though it would you know it'd still be a new species uh the process by which modern birds evolved happened over you know literally tens of millions of years. And and the few changes that we're just talking about here probably wouldn't represent an exact creature that existed that long ago. I mean we're talking literally 65 million years ago. Um but whatever. I mean the the world of genetics could obviously just open up the possibility for creating animals like that. But I mean, even like, would they be able to do a, a, a thing like, like a triceratops or, or something like that? It's freaking weird. So Horner says that uh, if we were interested, we could genetically engineer creatures like these or like anything else that we could figure out a genetic code for. Even if it never existed in nature, once we figure out the genes that create a trait, those genes could potentially be incorporated into an animal. We've already done this. Researchers used the genes from jellyfish to make rabbits that glow in the dark. See, that's fucked up. And other researchers made mice with transparent skin. That's a little disgusting. Once we know the code for that trait, you know, we could use that to then make some kind of a creature. So, I'm just, I'm wondering. Like, have they learned... Nothing. Now, I realize that Jurassic Park, 1, 2, they two, three, four—they're—they're they're movies. It's Hollywood at its best. But shit always goes wrong. Now, have they learned nothing? Like, <laughs> maybe they could, like, I don't know, make uh, make the dinosaurs, you know, have no teeth. Maybe that would help. You know, so why even, why even do this? You know, why even attempt it? Couldn't we just leave it in in the science fiction realm? Why even try to do this? Um, you know, the, some of it might sound like it's you know totally out there. You know, it does sound like science fiction, but the the real thing here is that it's practical. It it's already being done as we speak. Now, if if his team. If Horner's team figures out how to make a freaking tail grow, that might then unlock the ability to better understand the growth of, of the vertebrae and the, and the tissues, the neural tissues, with fascinating, like, medical implications here. So, I mean, that could be a plus to it. But at the same time, we're we're talking about making freaking dinosaurs here, man. So... He's, he, what he's saying is, if we can make a dino chicken, it's pretty cool. It might help get kids interested in genetics at a young age. And what kid doesn't love dinosaurs? Now, I'll give you that. Like, I used to love dinosaurs and all that stuff. I could give a shit less about genetics. I know a little bit about it, but not enough to ever, like, really study it. And how many people at age 8 are going to be like I want to be a geneticist. Nobody. <laughs> like, nobody. It's like Christ, you're 8 years old, you can't even spell geneticist. But whatever. So, you know, Hor- he he points out that you know, we've been genetically modifying the genes of animals for thousands of years. It, it's true. We we really have. We just call it breeding. You know, that's what we do. Um, especially like people and you know dogs I know there's a lot of uh, breeding with dogs and things like that you know trying to get the the best type of dog and all of this shit and you know um, I didn't even realize this but this is a quote from Horner he says people made chihuahuas out of wolves for God's sakes so I didn't know that I had no idea that that was going on but regardless I want to know do you think this is a good idea Or do you think it would turn out Like the movie <laughs> You know what I mean Would it turn out like Would it turn out like uh, Like the movie Like any of the movies I mean every one of those movies You know they're great or whatever But it always turns out pretty shitty For the, for the people And I know like Jurassic World Or whatever was pretty badass But it still turned out pretty shitty for all the people that were there at the park Um, so is it even worth it now genetically speaking or whatever and you know making those scientific leaps basically that's worth it in my opinion that's totally worth it but at the same time like do we you know do we even go ahead and do something like that because what if shit goes bad (laughs) <laughs> then what? Then then we're literally up the creek without a paddle. And that's not fun. That's not fun for anybody. So I don't know. I don't know if if this is such a good idea. Scientifically speaking, it's phenomenal. And I can see why they're getting so excited about this. Because they're progressively getting closer and closer and closer. But what happens when they just do it? They get close enough that they can do it, and then you got what little baby velociraptors walking around just for the hell of it. Like, what are you gonna do? Feed them your chihuahua. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I had to say that. If you're a dog lover, I'm sorry, but <laughs> whatever, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a dick, but whatever. It just seems like a bad idea to me, like, I think. I think their efforts could be, you know, done better. Like, it's, <laughs> Christ. Like, if you're making rats that you can have transparent skin, you can fucking see through the rats, I mean, what's the point? What is the point of that? Now you just have a nasty-looking rat running around. <laughs> and I get it. You're making, you know, discoveries. I get it. But my God, that's nasty. Like just freaking nasty, and rabbits that glow in the dark? The fuck? Who cares? (laughs) Come on, work on something a little better. I guess I don't know, and don't say like dinosaurs. (laughs) The shit freaks me out, or whatever. So, but yeah. Anyway, that's a uh, that was one story that I saw that I, you know, I really got into it. I really, cause I like this stuff. I like dinosaurs. I've always have or whatever. And I saw the movie and I had already read the, uh, I had already read the, the article and the, the interview that they did with this guy with, uh, the Horner guy now. And then, I, you know, I saw the movie or whatever, and it really got me thinking because, you know, in the movie, I don't want to give anything away. If you haven't seen it or whatever, but you know, in the movie, they talk about this this new type of dinosaur. Um, basically, you know, the people are wanting something more uh, toothy, a little more, I don't know, a little scarier, probably. Um, so, what they you know, they make a new dinosaur, you know, and that I like I said, I don't want to give anything away or whatever, but it's just weird it's just absolutely weird that we are to this point now in life like we can do things like this and not only can we do them you know it's not just something that is oh it's science fiction anymore like it's reality and we are taking dramatic steps towards making it a reality you know cloning and things of that nature obviously making fucking rats glow in the dark, making, or excuse me, making bunnies glow in the dark, making rats that have transparent skin. It's disgusting. (laughs) But At the same time, I get it, you know, but it's no longer science fiction. So I think that, you know, we're making dramatic steps. I just hope that we're making them in the, in the, Proper direction using the proper avenues. Um, I don't, I don't think we we were ever intended to necessarily, you know, play God. And I think it's a scary thing for a lot of people t- to discuss. Um, but there's that, you know, there's my my little thing or whatever. Um, but you know, I'm not some like Bible-beating person like at all um but I don't know it's weird it gives me a funny feeling I'll, I'll put it that way it makes me feel weird so I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing so if you guys want to chime in please do so um and like I said I'm gonna put up uh pictures and all that fun jazz on on the Facebook page um but yeah I hope you guys are doing good um hope all is well and hopefully, by uh, by the next time that we speak, I will hopefully have a new book out. I'm hoping. I'm really hoping. So, I really want to get this book out uh, so you guys can read it. Um, and I'll probably do a special. I'll probably do a special thing for for you guys, just for the uh, ectoplasm listeners. Uh, maybe a special a special deal or something like that. I don't know. There's still a lot of people to talk to about it. Um, But I'm hoping that's the case. So, anyhooser, um, I hope you guys are doing great. I hope you guys have a great freaking weekend. Uh, Have some fun. Stay safe. Enjoy summer uh, while it's still here. So, I will uh, be talking to you guys very, very soon. Peace out. to get a rule, never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline than a rule. And I know what I saw, and that's not what you're telling me what I saw. I-